Hello and welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 16th. This is Tom Maluli. I'm joined by Casey Maluli. Today we have uh, an interesting anniversary of sorts to talk about. This week is a pretty historical week for Wall Street. This week marks the seventh anniversary of the collapse of Lehman Brothers. You know, uh, Lehman Brothers used to be joined at the hip. When you talked about Wall Street firms, there were those really big firms, and then there were those institutional firms, Lehman Brothers and Bear, Bear Stearns. Stearns. Yeah. So what happened to them? Back in uh, May of 2007, Bear Stearns was trading around $160 a share. And at that time, Lehman Brothers was trading around $70 a share. So well, that was May of 2007. Right. Okay. Right. But by March of 2008, just around a year later, Bear Stearns was sold to JP Morgan for two bucks a share. Two bucks from 160. Wow. Yeah. And in September of 2008, Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, that, that's crazy. This was in the 70s in May of 07. About a year and a half later, bankrupt. bankrupt. All gone. All gone. The, the goofy part was that, and we were talking about this this morning in the meeting, was that when Bear Stearns got sold for $2, Lehman Brothers was still trading like $30 or $40 a share. Right. I, I didn't really understand that because if you looked at the books, I mean, no one really could see the accurate books, but it just made no sense. These companies were so much alike. How could one be trading for basically nothing for $2, and the other one still have some value. The, uh, the collapse seemed inevitable. Yeah, it really did. But, you know, Casey, going back to 2007 and 2008, we heard a completely different story, though, from the folks that were running these companies. Right. The CEOs were claiming that they had little to no exposure in the subprime mortgages. Now, I just want to clarify that we're not just picking on Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns. Right. This was pretty much all of the big Wall Street banks. Right. So we had all these Wall Street banks. We had insurance companies. We had mortgage companies. All of them were basically saying, we have little to no exposure in these subprime mortgages. So they also said that subprime represented a small portion of the entire business. Which is, I guess that's technically true, those statements that they made, but we all kind of learned a different story, didn't we? Right. We saw that the, the problems in the financial system were much, much bigger than what everyone thought they were. So what we started to see, starting in 2007 and rolling into 2008, were that a lot of analysts that covered the financial sector and a lot of CEOs at these different companies were starting to include some different things in their earnings reports, weren't they? They started including provisions for portfolio losses and bad debt provisions into their quarterly earnings estimates. Yeah, so these portfolio losses, basically they were getting destroyed on their bond portfolios uh, as all of these mortgages started collapsing and then they started having to make bad debt provisions because they had to put money aside for the losses that they were taking in their own capital their own capital but it just kind of that was really just the beginning of a little snowball wasn't it and those numbers began to grow exponentially as uh, as time went on yeah so so we saw stocks like uh, countrywide 
Washington Mutual, of course, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers. Uh, they all went poof. I mean, it just yeah. Gone. Uh, we even saw Merrill Lynch get folded into uh, Bank of America uh, as well. Mm -hmm. All of these earnings at of those companies were hard to predict. They they're really, all, they're really hard to project. Yeah. You know? And then they vanished. Yeah, they just, I mean, it was remarkable to see we're cutting our earnings again, we're cutting our forecast again, we're cutting our numbers again, and then suddenly they didn't have any earnings, right. and they had losses. So this is why we rely on point-and-figure charts, because point-and-figure charts only show the price. Yeah, when you look at a point-and-figure chart, down the left and right side of the chart is the actual price of the investment. Right. So there's no projections included in that at all. It only shows what someone is willing to buy or sell at. That's right. So price becomes the ultimate indicator. So I guess it really doesn't matter with a lot of this other stuff, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter if earnings are good or if earnings are bad, if the economy is good or bad, if the company is good or bad, or if someone has inside information. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that all gets reflected uh, in the price that we see. So the hardest part, I think, really is just ignoring all of that. That's the great part about point-and-figure charts is that it cuts through all of the noise. So when we talk about different companies and different investments, it's important to know that none of the securities that we mention on any of our podcasts represent a past specific recommendation of the firm. And this podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any of the securities that we happen to mention here. But more importantly, if you're relying just on a podcast for investment advice, we think you're making a mistake. That's why we strongly urge all of our listeners to consult with their investment advisor before they make that decision to buy or sell any kind of investment. So that's all we have for this week. Uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast.